Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For the talk today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 15, so you can either turn in your Bible or turn on your Bible. A lot of people are using, you know, devices to look there. We'll be in Matthew 15, a little story to begin our time. I, uh, every once in a while, will go to northern Michigan, um, and uh, we have a little cabin about five hours north. Here's a picture of our little place, what it looks like in the winter. And in the winter, um, it's, it, it almost feels pretty remote. There are not a lot of people around. Yeah, five hours north, you guys, is even colder than here, and so there's like Arctic snowmobilers and stuff up there, but uh, I will still, uh, we close it down in the winter for the most part, but I'll still go up there sometimes and do like a study break in about seven days or so. I'm going to go up for a a couple days and I don't turn everything on. I just kind of hunker down. It's just me and I get really stinky and smelly like a man and I just, you know, live in the woods and stuff like that. Anyway, and study my Bible and stuff. Anyway, um, so a few years back, I went up there, and uh, I would venture to say it was, re- it was brisk up there. Uh, but it was a beautiful day in terms of it was sunny and blue skies. So this was not the day, but it was a day like this. I had parked out the long lane, and I had to walk in, and I had shoveled myself a trail. But the sun was out, and it's gorgeous. And so I don't remember exactly what I was wearing, but a lot of times I'm just, you know, sweats and a t-shirt or something like that, and I stepped out onto the little porch just to get some fresh air. Anybody like sunny, brisk, that is like, some of you are like, you idiot, it's cold out, but I just like that kind of surge of life in the midst of the 15 degrees-ish, Woo! you know, wake up, and so I went out on the, the little deck, and I'm like, Oh, this is good. And I stood there for a moment feeling just awesome until I was like, okay, it's getting cold. And turn around, I locked myself out of the cabin. And for just a moment or two, I thought, I am in trouble. Because the na- there were no neighbors around. We didn't have a little key hidden anywhere. And just for just a little bit, I thought, I'm five hours away, 15 degrees in a t-shirt. Well, long story short, I figured it out, figured something out and went down around the corner where some friends of ours had it. Anyway, I had, oh, by the way, I had my, I happened to have my cell phone in my pocket. Woo! So that was helpful. Anyway, long story short, did not die. So here we are today. I use that example as uh, an example of something I might call an oops moment, like whoops. And here's a definition of a whoops moment. It may not be sinful, but you're in serious need. By the way, it wasn't sinful to stand out on the, it's not sinful to lock yourself out of the house. It might be stupid, but it's not sinful. And you know, in life, every once in a while, there are things like that where it may not necessarily be sinful, but you're still in trouble. Like physically, something's going on, and it may not at all be directly connected to a sin. It's just like, here it is. It's just, 
you're just facing this thing, or relationally, you do, you know, you forget your girlfriend's birthday or your spouse's birthday. And like, that's not a sin. Somebody's, oh, yes, it is. But it may not be, maybe bad, but it causes, I did that, didn't I? Anyway, um, it causes, you know, a situation that you need some help. Spiritually, there are times I think uh, it might not even be because of sinful things. It's just stuff, and we end up in a bad place spiritually or spiritual drive. It just happens. Where I went ahead is God cares about those moments too. God doesn't just want to be helpful in the midst of sin junk. He wants to be helpful in just the stuff of life. In John 9... It's an important section. It's talking about Jesus. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? little mini-sermon here. Isn't it easy, or apparently it was easy for the disciples. I think we do the same thing. When we see a bad situation, we jump to, whose fault was that? That's what I think they're doing. But this is, this is they're, you know, difficult. So, boy, we jump toward, there ought to be someone to blame for this. And I think that's what they're doing. Hey, this guy's blind. Who sinned? And Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the, by the way, probably the man, the man and his parents had sinned at some point in their life. But their sin was not connected to the fact that this guy was born blind. He says, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Which indicates, God. it wasn't because God just wants to be helpful. Here's why this is going on, because God wants to intervene and be helpful. There's a more. In Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. It doesn't include and sinful. Just if you're weary and burdened, you can come to God and he will give you rest. Isaiah 41, 13 says, do not fear, I will help you. So hold those thoughts. We are in the second week of a series, our first series of the year called Hope. And uh, if you did not catch last week's talk, I would encourage you to do that. Um, it's online, and I tried to lay a foundation for the series, and uh, I think you might find it helpful. But today we're going to talk about the basic concept of how can we in a, be in a place where we are more likely to receive the help of God, whether it's like a, whether we need help because of sinful stuff or just normal life stuff. And we're going to look at a text where there's a ton of help going on. In this Matthew 15, I think I can just read it, and the picture is pretty clear. It says, verse 29, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside, and he sat down. Pretty easy to picture. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, 
the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people, for they have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. Just pause for a moment in, in my uh, margin of my Bible. I have the word oops, because this is like a not a, it's like a oops moment where, I, where Jesus recognizes, hey, we didn't plan very well for food. No one planned well for food here. If these people just take off and go home, they may not make it. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. And if you know the story, even though many of you do, Jesus is going to take this seven loaves and these, these small fish, and he's going to create a miraculous meal for a huge, huge group of people. It goes on in verse 37, it says, they all ate and were satisfied, and afterwards the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides women and children. The title of the talk this weekend is Turnaround Moments. And what I imagined when I was thinking of that title, it's basically when you're headed in a direction and things get difficult, and when God intervenes and make and helps. And before we even, what I see here in the text is a couple uh, things that we can do that will help put us in a place where God will regularly be like, I got you. I got that. When difficult things come. Now before I pray and uh, I show you, hopefully be helpful, show you a couple things. I want you to pause and think, is there any area of your life that right now you could use a little help from God? Because most of us. It doesn't take us long to think of a physical thing or a spiritual thing, relational thing. And it may not be connected, it may not be connected at all to some sinful thing. It's just an area that you could use help. Anybody got stuff that comes to mind? I, you know, I, I could use some emotional help. I got kind of cranky this week. With some of the political, and you, anybody think, "Yay, 2021, it's going to be awesome!" And then this week happened, you're like, nah, blah, 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 blah. You know. Anyway, uh, let me pray. So, God, a bunch of us, <laughs> a bunch of us, just right now, it doesn't take us long to think of areas, big areas, small areas, where we could really use your help. And I pray that today that ultimately you would talk to us about ways that we can set the stage for you to be more, even more engaged in helping us. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas I see in the text. Basically going to answer the question, what sets the stage for God's help? The first one is this, a pre-existing atmosphere of humility. 
a pre-existing atmosphere of humility. What I want to do is walk through like the picture of what's going on on this mountainside. He went up on a mountainside and sat down, verse 30, and you probably pictured this when I read it before, right? Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, many others, and they are laying them at the feet of Jesus. I would submit to you this is an atmosphere of people who realize their needs and they're coming to Jesus and trying to just, they're, oh, they're not offering Jesus their strength. They're not, let's all go out to the mountainside and, so Je- and show Jesus how smart we are. There's no record of anybody, you know, peddling their Bible skills in front of the Lord or trying to impress Jesus with the good things. They, all of the picture in the text is, we just need your help. If we were there and conversation was happening, some of the conversations, I would say, had to be like, why are, you know, why are you out here in the wilderness, you know, waiting to see Jesus? And the response would be, I brought my daughter who can't see, right? Or, or I don't feel, I'm not feeling well. Or for, a, for some people, I think it'd just be obvious. You would look at the guy who's got a crutch or who someone's carrying, and you would know, I know why they're out here. But virtually so many of them would just be out there because they had a need. I think it's also important to note that they were serious enough about their need, aware enough of their need, that they were willing to pursue Jesus for three days to try to get to him. trying to think of a picture of this. Back in the old days, 15 years ago, <laughs> see, see now we buy a lot of our tickets online. Like if you really want to go to some phenomenal show or a rock concert, back in the old days, some of you will remember, remember when you used to have to stand in line? And so you really wanted to see what's some, what's a great 80s rock and roll bet? What? Kansas. Isn't that a state? Okay. But Kansas. So, you know, right now is the disconnect from the young people. They're like, Kansas? What's that? Uh, what's a, anyway, just pretend. I don't know. I'm taking way too long on this. But you know what used to happen? Young people. You know what used to happen? Us old people would go stand in line forever. We would like camp out. Some of you are like, no, you didn't. Yeah, we did. We would go camp out with an umbrella at some place because the tickets were going to come up for sale, you know, Thursday, and we would stay in line forever because we so wanted to get there. And so if somebody would say, hey, you want to go get some chicken nuggets? We would say, no way, because I'm not going to give up my place in line. It's kind of like maybe Black Friday things, that kind of thing. Well, that's not totally far-fetched from what's going on here and why people are hanging there for three days Because in a sense, they're all waiting their turn to get to their need to Jesus. And what I would submit to you is what's happening spiritually here is when we are in that kind of an atmosphere where we are intent on 
not with our strength, but on our weakness, focusing on the help of Jesus, what happens is Jesus' care, his heart to care for that group of people kicks in and it gets ramped up. If you notice in the text, Jesus is the one who has the idea for the, for the meal. It's not the disciples. He says in verse 32, he called his disciples and said, I, he's talking about himself, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. Here's the idea. You can write this in. If we are intently pursuing God, he takes responsibility for our care. That's the little nugget I think is worth, one of them that's worth noticing in the text. So, a, a note here, even if you're totally ignoring God and you're not paying much attention to him and you end up in trouble, I would still say to you, you should cry out to God. But, you know what's a better plan? Pursue him all the time and then you will already be on his I want to take care of that person's list. If you go to Psalm 91, it's one of my favorite psalms for sure, Years ago, uh, I, I would quote this psalm and pray around my home every night when our kids were little. Because I wanted help with my kids. Just help, right? Anybody have kids and think help is a good idea? Okay, good. Um, so I would quote this song. So I'm going to try to quote it now. Uh, in my, the version that I memorized it in is a little bit different than the one on the screen. But basically the psalm goes like this. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now what's going to happen in the psalm is there's this point after point of the protection that God brings to people who are dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence, from the plague that's, I can't remember it. What is it? Deadly pestilence. Oh, yeah, he will cover you. What a great picture. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. Goes on to say, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And then it and the song goes on and on, but then there's this picture of a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near to you. It's like everybody's dropping like flies, but I'm doing fine. Why? Because of God's active protection in that person's life. And the key to that active protection in their life is in the first verse of the psalm, and it's this, he or she who dwells, that's the word, who dwells, dwells in the shelter of the Most High. That's the key to all this protect, God's protective nature to, to, to have special attention toward us. I want to bring a little challenge, a little theological challenge to us in case we're a little 
uh, we, we need to learn something. Running around, ignoring God, is an option. Did you guys know you can do that? You can do that. But I'm telling you, if you decide to do that, don't get mad when something goes wrong in your life and get all torqued because you, you think, well, I can't believe God didn't protect me from that. You're the one running around ignoring God. And I want to make a shift. I'm going to try not to be a jerk, but I want to make a shift in this. This theology of we jerk God's chain, like God's supposed to be up, on his, up there on his throne, and if I end up in trouble, I get pissed because he didn't answer my prayer We've been ignoring him for, you know, three days, three weeks, three years, our whole stinking life. And then when cancer comes in our life, we start blaming him? Shut up. That's not what, it doesn't work that way. But, no, don't clap because I'll go on. But I'm telling you, and I'm trying not to do this to be a jerk, but, that, but, but I have fear feeling sadness for people who can't figure out this God thing. Why is God so... It's because we've got this thing flipped around and we think somehow we pull God's strings and he's our puppet and it doesn't work that way. He's like the super lord of the whole universe and it's our job to submit to him. It's our opportunity to love him. It doesn't work the other way. And what I mean is it really doesn't work the other way. When we just run around and do our thing, guess what you get if we just run around and do our thing? We just get our thing. And, and, and we don't get God's thing. Make, you know what I mean? So, so even if you're, even if, you know, your grandma said, oh, the Lord is just, he's always with you. Not if you're out dinking around doing idiot stuff. He's like, I'm not going there. Our job is to go and be close to him. Now, that said, if you're in a mess, you should cry out to God. You should pursue Jesus. But repentance, which is a turning to God, is part of the life that God looks down and says, I'm going to bring more protection in your life. The repentance, which is this turn, is part of the gospel. It's part of how God works. And that's what brings us into a better place where he will care, meet our needs. Does it make it all perfect? No, we still walk through difficulties, but then he's with us and close. How much time do I have? Oh, not very much. By the way, this kind of makes sense because we're like that too. How many of you have like a, if you have like an acquaintance that you met eight years ago you don't even know their last name, but they still have your cell phone number, and they call you and say, hey, buddy, could I use your truck, and would you help me move tomorrow? You go, who? Well, I'm kind of in a pickle, and I was hoping you'd move my stuff. No? I'm like, our gut reaction is, uh, probably not because I can't remember who you are, which is very different than if your close friend says, I am in a pickle and I need something. We say, yeah. Does that make sense? Now, God's better than we are and all those kind of things, but I don't know what I'm doing with my hands there. Just All right, so let's bring this into the room. How regular is my connection with God? Am I dwelling with him? That's the challenge. That's the takeaway. Oh, we really should. 
And I know a lot of you are doing really well at it. Great Broders, right? You know, we're doing really well at it. But the on-ramp today is if you're not, it's a great day to start because it'll affect the help of God in our life. And before I get into the next point, let's be a church that helps people dwell with God. If this is new to you, welcome to the church. We're glad you're here. We'd like to help. Get in a group, attend a class. We've got a newcomer's cookout coming soon. This is part of why we exist. Is to, I'm so glad someone helped me learn how to pursue God. So, what set the stage for help? A pre-existing atmosphere of humility. One more thing. What set the stage for God's help? A person offering some resources. This is the part where Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? And they say seven and some small fish. I'm so glad they didn't say, well, we got nothing. Although what they had was not very much, at least they offered what they had. Because if they would have thought, we really don't have anything that will make a difference, this story probably wouldn't be in the Bible. But they said, well, <laughs> I thought about this. How many of you know it's a little risky? So there's 4,000 men plus women and children. What's the guess? 15,000 people on the mountainside. And Jesus says, hey, I think we should feed them. What do we have? How many of you know it's a little risky, potentially embarrassing to walk up to the Lord of the universe who wants to feed 15,000 people and carry your little fish? Well, Will, will this help? And Jesus could have said, you know that's a perch. Just to feed one person, you need a whole fish basket. And we've got 15,000 people here, and you're bringing me seven loaves and three perch or something. And I've noticed probably for the last, I don't know how many years, I always noticed they were small. Like, we, they even said, and they're small. It would have been better if, you know, they'd have brought a trout. Like, oh, we got, and some big fish. No, just little fish. Maybe this will help. And I am really glad that they risked that moment where Jesus could have said, I can't look, you decide, I can't believe you would even bring that. Do you not see the need? But it's not what Jesus did and the transition here for us, and this is super important. When God is addressing a big problem, He will use our little fish. Those little things, small, they're much smaller than the problem, but He needs someone who'll say, I got this, and I'm willing to part with it if it will help. Because our little fish in the hand of God creates miraculous situations. When I became a Christian, I was 20 years old, and the man who was primarily responsible for my coming to Jesus, he just had a couple little fish. You know what he did? He, was, he would pray for me, and he was kind, and he invited me to church twice. That's, that's kind of small. Changed my life. God used his little offering, his helpful thing, changed my life. You never know what your little fish in the hand of God will do. We have a, a small group that we meet in, and we're not the leaders, we attend this group. 
And our group leaders have great snacks. This is their small fish. They have great snacks. Snacks, and they're kind, and we talk about some questions about the Bible. But I think for at least one person in the group, that per, it transformed their life. It was part of their story to become a Christian. It's those little things in the hand of God. So that if you want an assignment, write down Luke chapter 5. There's a story of some friends who carry a paralyzed man, with, and he had some big needs. He couldn't walk at all, apparently. They carried him on a mat. But they just offered their muscle. They said, well, we can carry. So they carry him to Jesus. They work through the crowd. They, lower, they end up lowering him through the roof. They just basically get him to Jesus. I don't think it records that they said anything. But they offered what they had. Enough muscle to carry him someplace. And it results in this man's forgiveness and ultimately his entire physical healing. And without those guys offering what they did, that guy, just his life remains on a mat. So, two closing thoughts. Don't diminish what you have. Most of us have something. I feel a little check in my... All of us have something. All of us have something. You can, you can offer a prayer, you can give a gift, you can offer your strength, you can be there and be present in the moment, you can offer your voice, you can do, give your testimony, you can be kind, you can serve on a team, you can, everybody, we all have something. Do not let someone diminish your part of the story that God wants to share. Keep offering what you have. Even if some person pushes back on the offering that you're making to God, just keep making your offering. I'm not, by the way, I'm not talking about money. I mean, it might be money, but it's this not money. What you're offering to God, do not let the world ever tell you that's not worth even offering to God. They are totally wrong. They're wrong. Never know what God's going to do with one of, one of our little fish. Take it. Give me your fish. Last thing, keep offering yourself to God. Keep pursuing him. You know, you know this is a lifelong thing, and we go really well for a while, and sometimes then we start to trickle, go away. Just keep coming back and try to dwell in the presence of God. Great road, us, online. Why don't you stand? We're going to close in prayer. Woo! I love the idea that God can use our <laughs> little, less than perfect stuff and do big things. That's just good stuff. Over here, there'll be a team of people, and they'll be willing to pray about anything going on in your life. By the way, if, I think I'll do a special prayer over here. 
If this dwelling in the presence of God is a thing you want to lean into, maybe you kind of fell away, or maybe just that thought, you're like, I really want to figure that out more. I will be praying for a group of people over here. I won't ask you to do anything. It won't be hard. I'll just take some time and pray for you, okay? And over here, prayer team will pray about anything. God, we thank you for this time. I thank you for the Bible and your word that is still living and active. It's unlike any other book, and it teaches us who you are. And um, I thank you for being a God. I don't understand it all the time, but I thank you that you want to somehow dwell with us. (laughs) Even when we're silly, sometimes sinful, you respond with favor when we just want to dwell with you and you want to be with us. So we want a bunch of us, we want to be with you as well. Help us do that the rest of our day, this week, and with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.